Welcome to the Dr. Katie Show. Free career advice for the people, because everybody deserves a better work experience. Call in to receive free career advice from Dr. Katie Revere, an experienced career coach and organizational psychologist. Dr. Katie has nearly 20 years of corporate business experience across various industries and divisions. She works with individuals, executives, and teams to create innovative, human-centered solutions to improve the workplace experience. Now here's Dr. Katie. Hi, good afternoon. Happy lunch hour. What's going on, Eric? Hey, good afternoon, Katie. Happy Thursday. Beautiful oh, day you. here in the Pacific Northwest. Hopefully you got a beautiful day down in California. Oh, we do. And it is kind of hot again. I don't know what's going on with the weather. <laughs> it's hot and a warm breeze. I yeah. kind of feel like I'm in my oven I right now. I guess you've got an extended summer then. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Ah, oh, but it's lovely and you know, you can't beat the sunshine. I know I say that every week, but it's, it would be nice to have a little bit of fall weather or like cooler, you know, get the soups going, get the stews brewing. We'll send you a little of ours. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. And even though you have the extended summer, of course, you still got to work, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everyone's a, back in school. Yeah, it's not summer and vacation. All, <laughs> right. It's not summer vacation. It's a really good point. And you know, my daughter's too young to be in school right now. She's only six months old, but I have friends that have kids that are back in school and they, you know, they bought all the school clothing and it's all long sleeve fall clothes and everybody's sweating out of their shirts and they go and pull in the shorts out of the bin in the garage, just trying to <laughs> stay cool. <laughs> Nice. But it's great. It's great. We can't complain at all. And um, I am, I am as always, excited for our show today, Eric. Um, we're going to be talking about human-centered design in just a few minutes. I'll introduce our special guest. But human-centered design is uh, an approach to problem solving that's commonly used in design. And it's most, most actually, it's really just mostly used in design. I'll ask our expert uh, in a few minutes what that is. But have you heard about human-centered design approach, Eric? Are you familiar at all with the concept? You know, this is all new to me. So I'm looking forward to learning more here as the hour goes on. Yeah, thanks. And I am excited to bring this topic to our listeners because it's a space that I've been playing in for a long time and really enjoying because it's allowed me to be very creative professionally and also bring, you know, innovative people centered solutions mm -hmm. to the work experience, uh, companies that I worked in. And I guess I was, I've just been in this Valley and I see the world through this approach, through this methodology of human centered design. And I'm around people every day who see the world through these lenses as well. And I forget that not everybody has this background. And so I realized it because I, I was talking about this, this show concept in preparation for today, um, with my partner and he was like, yeah, I don't know what that is. You always say human. 
He's like, you always say I'm human not the only design. one then. Good. Yeah. Good. No, you're not. There's tons of people and I'm just naive and living in a bubble. So I'm hoping to expand my bubble. Yeah. I've today. already got like so many questions when you talk about human centered design. Are you talking about like actual physical, like office space maybe, or are you talking yeah. about corporate structure or yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're all, all into that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you take a problem and it's, you don't even have to use it in a people program we i do because i'm all about to make a better work experience obviously mm -hmm. but it's used in so many different industries creating products and innovations and like i think one time i heard an interview with like an old timer hcd person who said that he worked on a project years and years and years ago to redesign the box that coca-cola uses for its soda so that it's more user-friendly hmm. and that the customer can like it, you know, enjoy accessing their cans of cola <laughs> right. with ease. So it's like, you can use it to anything, but we're going to use it. And we have been using it in the work experience, which that, has been really cool. Now I can't even remember. I mean, I'm assuming he's talking about like you, you pop that part of the cardboard with your thumb so you can get the cans out easily. I can't even yep. remember what they did before yep. that. So, you know, I guess they really succeeded. Yeah. It was just one. I was just, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's problem solving and applying human centered design to it. And I am so excited to welcome us, our special guest, and she's an expert in human centered design. And she's also a longtime friend and, and business partner of mine and colleague of mine for gosh, almost 10 years or more actually. We have Laura Janice on the call. Welcome to the show, Laura. So, so thankful for you to make time for the Dr. Katie show to bring an informed a perspective and educational um, show to our listeners. Hello. Good afternoon, almost, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Happy you're here. And okay. What is human-centered design? <laughs> Tell us in a nutshell. Um, human-centered, okay. So human-centered design is, is essentially a, a um, approach to the design process that puts humans and their needs and aspirations and challenges at the forefront of, um, of the design. So I... When I was in, um, I studied this in grad school, which it was the first program in the in the um, United States to be teaching this at the time. So that was back in 2005, and um, really, it, it it this work was started in the early 80s. However, by a small group in California who um, approached a you know a big company down there and said, you know, we we believe that maybe you could be designing better products if you were better connecting with the customers and the people that you're designing for. And so essentially, I mean, a very high level, easy way to think about it is it's, you know, taking an anthropology kind of approach to uh, and smashing it into the design process. So traditionally designers would get a brief in their studio and just start making. And there wasn't really that connection to who they were making it for. And so really it's, it's, it's taking various research approaches to, um, to 
you know, the forefront of the design process in, to enable the designers and the team to better understand what true needs are, what really they should be de designing for, um, how can they, you know, design joy into what they are, they're creating for users. So it gives them a lot more insight into um, what, what it is truly that people might want them to be designing. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a brief overview. It's a brief overview. And I mean, it's a lot. It sounds like it's a lot. It's there's, there's great history there. It's founded and there's, it's been proven, um, to design around these human needs and use, mm -hmm. em use empathy to respond and bring people in. And what I love about human centered design and my experience and this approach, uh, is that it engages the human perspective through all steps of the problem solving process. And mm -hmm. there's, when I think about the work experience from a management perspective in a, in a corporate environment, for example, you have a problem and let's say your staff need to, or your numbers aren't as good, your production numbers aren't as good. And what I think kind of like an old school way of approaching it as a manager is to say, Hey, you know, employees bring in your team and say, Hey, what can we do better? You collect all of their ideas and then the managers go and sit in a room and that they design something that's going to help them have better numbers, the, the department have better numbers, whatever it is they're doing, it doesn't matter, but managers tend to go and then design uh, create experiences, they they use their personal expertise and then they use the ideas of the people in the department and then they design it and then they implement it. Huge, huge gap there because whether while those employees had ideas for making improvements or solving this problem, their ideas need to be sought uh, and explored through all phases of the creation of the design of whatever it is, is being created. And so that is what I have loved about this. This is how you and I have partnered for a long time in this space. And how long have we known each other? Has it been like 12 years? I think we met in 2012 yeah. or 13. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Yeah. And when I met you, I was on a mission to establishing a business resource group in a very large mm -hmm. organization. And I was seeking partners who could bring in different perspectives and help this leadership team be successful to build this business resource group in a way that could serve the, the, um, the corporation and the people inside the company. And your knowledge and expertise in human centered design is totally transformed uh, my approach to my work. And I think intuitively I always had a, like a, a knack for approaching the world in this way, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but you brought it to a new level. So tell me about your passion for human centered design and how you got there. Yeah. Uh, so again, it, it, I was introduced to this, um, this way of working, uh, and designing in grad school, but 
it actually, um, it started a little bit before when my, uh, the summer before I started graduate school, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and I spent a lot of time with her in the hospital. And uh, luckily she, she um, when she was working, she was a social worker in, in the, the medical context. So she was very, you know, she's very familiar with the names of the various medications and, you know, medical terminology and so forth. So she was able to catch it, but her nurse, almost gave her her uh, roommate medication so there there almost was a medication error that happened and when I saw the form that um, they were using to track the medication that they were giving to the different patients it it was just this moment of like wow there's so like this could be so so much better designed that would you know instead of putting the blame on the nurse maybe it was the way things were designed the tools and the things that they used within the space that that it kind of got that, you know, had that uh, moment happen. So I, I decided I wanted to, you know, and then I started looking at, you know, the rest of my time in the hospital through that lens of like, how could design really improve the way um, things work, the way people communicate, uh, the way patients feel, the way staff feels um, and connect to one another. And so in graduate school, I knew I wanted to uh, explore the intersection between healthcare and design. And so when I when I started and I was introduced to human centered, you know, this human centered approach, it just it just made so much sense um, to 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 use it and to um, to really embed it into my my process of working. And um, and so that's kind of how I ended up starting to explore human human centered design and uh, my love for using a human centered approach within the healthcare setting um, definitely cemented at that point. Uh, and my work kind of stemmed from there. That's wonderful. And to have somebody with that um, sort of that intrinsic motivator in the healthcare space, designing with a purpose, I think is a really wonderful thing for patients and members uh, who are receiving healthcare. So that's wonderful. Well, we, yeah, and you know, Oh, Oh, go ahead. No, what I was saying, what was really exciting post uh, post my graduate work was, how my, you know, my first job introduced me to a, a much broader landscape of how this approach, human-centered approach, can be uh, applied to many different industries, many different fields, many different challenges. So I was also able, luckily, early in my career to to see the, the really broad impact this approach could have on, on various various industries and, and, um, and things. So that's, it, it became much bigger than healthcare at that point. Yeah. And I am wanting to jump into that. We're going to do a quick break. If Eric can do a, the honors for us and we'll be right back and we're going to learn more about what other industries human center design is applied. And, uh, I also want to learn more about you, Laura. So we'll be back. And stay tuned for more of the Dr. Katie Show. We are taking your calls, whether it's about human-centered design or you would just like some coaching in your career, 425-373-5527 or toll-free, 888-298-5569. You can always email questions to drkatie at betterworkexperience.com. That's drkatie at betterworkexperience.com. We'll be right back. Having a crappy work experience 
The complexity of the work environment can undermine your efforts and create a crappy work experience for you and your team. Develop a thoughtful approach to managing the complexity so you could be a better leader. Book a private coaching session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots for a better work experience. Act now because everyone deserves a better work experience. Visit betterworkexperience.com to book a private session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots through a transformative coaching experience. Listen to live career advice on The Dr. Katie Show Thursdays from noon to 1 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The most dangerous day for a newborn is her first day of life. Every 31 seconds, an infant dies from infections, pneumonia, malnutrition, but she doesn't have to die. For more than 60 years, Project Hope has been saving lives around the world, delivering medicines and supplies, giving newborns a healthy start, making sure her first day of life is not her last because everyone deserves hope. To volunteer or learn more about Project Hope, visit projecthope.org newborns. Own a business that has a great work experience? Are you hiring for a critical position and need to get the word out? Advertise your company's products, mission, and work culture on The Dr. Katie Show. Put the show that is all about a better work experience to work for you. Visit BetterWorkExperience.com and learn about guest sponsorship. You know you have a great company. Now let the world know. Sponsor The Dr. Katie Show. Log on to BetterWorkExperience.com today for details on saving 25% off. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Dr. Katie Show. You can call in with your questions to 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-5569. Email questions, drkatie at betterworkexperience.com. Now here's Katie. Hey, welcome back. We are talking about how to improve and better the work experience by leveraging a human centered approach. And that, uh, is an approach that allows, uh, that can be applied in many different industries and, uh, it can change how things are created in, within companies in terms of products. And there are a lot of different methods few different methods to think uh, more creatively in the workplace. And we have a special guest today, Laura Janice, and she is an expert and longtime friend and colleague of mine who's telling us about what is human-centered design. She's helping break it down into some simple language so that we can all understand it and hopefully take some of this into our work experience uh, so we can start to be curious and play with this approach. Uh, to improve our work experience. But before we jump into the specifics of that, I would love, Laura, if you could tell us a little bit about your education and how you have come to learn about a human-centered approach. Sure. Um, So I have a background background in graphic design or communication design. That's my undergraduate degree. And uh, I went into the marketing and Com world post post my uh, receiving my BFA and I I uh, I just personally did not feel like I was um, doing meaningful work for you know, what I needed um, to feel good as a, as a designer and so that pushed me to really take time and to think about uh, what I needed to do for next steps and luckily I was able to find a program 
that uh, really um, was the first program in the nation to be teaching uh, this human-centered design approach. And so I decided to go for it where I was in a graduate program. Sorry. Which, which program was it? Oh, which one? It was a media design at art center college of design in Pasadena, California. Yeah. So it was run by um, Brenda Laurel at the time. She was the chair and she uh, has, has incredible history in the design world and creating new new things based on this approach. So I was lucky to have her as a mentor and that kind of is where I started my career. Very cool. And I think in the last five to 10 years, you also got an additional certification from Yale, right? Didn't you do I something did, else? Yes. Yeah. Tell me, tell us about that. Um, so I, when I started working in large corporations, I quickly understood that Um, they were having a hard time understanding the world of innovation. And myself, I acknowledge, was having a hard time of the world of improvement, which is very much embedded into large organizations. And uh, so I knew I needed, I I wanted to kind of find a way for, to to bridge that gap, um, which essentially would allow me to do better human-centered design within the context of the organization. So I found a project, a program certificate program through uh, AIGA and it was called business perspectives for creative leaders. And I, I enrolled myself and spent some time on Yale campus with a whole bunch of other designers and got the opportunity to get um, quickly and deeply exposed to the world of business and to understand, you know, what, what are the things that business people are thinking about in these large organizations and how can us as designers better connect and communicate um, with them around what it is that we do. So it was a very, it was a very fruitful experience. Um, and I, I, I do it again in a heartbeat, but That's that definitely awesome. helped. Yeah. Help me. Uh, you know, I guess that was the start of my journey on trying to understand how, how to really help people embrace human centered design within the context of a large organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think in essence, how we found each other and yeah, thankfully. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so earlier you mentioned that human centered design can be used in different industries for different creating for creating and designing all kinds of things. So can you Mm -hmm. give us an, uh, just teach us a little bit about what are the ways, um, you've seen human centered design applied more broadly in general? Right. Um, well, I think it's, there's a few different lenses you can look through. Um, one is helping organizations create, uh, n- n- you know, new to world, new to the world products or services. So human centered design has been um, applied to do that. An example uh, I can, that comes to mind is bank of America's keep the change program. So that's, you know, they wanted to help people um, figure out how to save better. And they were ha- they were having a hard time getting people to open savings accounts, and they wanted to help their members uh, around 
finance management. And so they brought in uh, a team who specialized in human-centered design to conduct the research to better really understand the habits and behaviors of people, um, of, the, of their, the members, the bank members. And so by doing really qualitative um, research, spending time with the people that use their bank services, they were able to, you know, pick up some themes and uh, patterns of behaviors that were just, that were happening, um, you know, organically and build off of those. So for one example, they met uh, a few people who would, when writing a check, would round up instead of writing the exact amount um, of the of the bill and that would allow them to have extra funds in their account at the end of the month so it was a way for them to quickly you know save without really doing anything extra and so this sparked this idea of keep the change program which when um you use your bank of america debit card it'll on a purchase it'll round up to the the next dollar and then um, transfer that the remaining amount to your savings account. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an example of how it was used in the banking world. Um, you know, within I'll just use healthcare as another example. Um, you know, Kaiser really uh, started out through some grants, prototyping human-centered design within the healthcare space. And uh, we're able over a set of years to prove that this type of work really did create and the impact that um, was helping to change the environment in a, in a better way. Um, one program that they did was Nurse Knowledge Exchange, which was about redesigning how nurses communicate at the bedside during shift change. And what happened is they ended up getting um, increasing their patient satisfaction scores because they put, they put the patient in the center of that scenario where before nurses would you know, communicate outside the room and nurse knowledge exchange redesigned that um, again through using human centered design to better understand how everyone was feeling and what the needs were mm-hmm. amongst all the stakeholders in that scenario. Uh, so, and then, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of things happening right now in the workplace around designing for a workplace that's better meeting uh, the needs of people in terms of their well being. So, how do we create happier? How do we create happier um, employees? What is it that we need to do to keep them engaged and feeling good and feeling connected? And so human-centered human, de- human centered design is, um, in research, I should say, uh, is being applied to the, the workplace context uh, for many different companies, lots of different companies to help them figure out what, what do they need to do in order to, um, you know, become the workplace of the future to meet these evolving needs that future generations are having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, so those are three different contexts that have, you know, are using them and have, have used them. Yeah. And that's so useful. Uh, I'm curious if there's anybody listening to the show, if there's a, a human centered approach used at your co- company and you have an interesting story about that, uh, any examples, um, that would be, it'd be great to, to hear about it. So give us a call. Um, we're going to actually head out for our second break. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Everybody stay tuned for more of the Dr. Katie Show and feel free to call in with your questions 425-373-5527 or toll free 888-298-5569. You can email Dr. Katie at betterworkexperience.com. 
We'll be right back with more of The Dr. Katie Show. Having a crappy work experience, the complexity of the work environment can undermine your efforts and create a crappy work experience for you and your team. Develop a thoughtful approach to managing the complexity so you could be a better leader. Book a private coaching session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots for a better work experience. Act now because everyone deserves a better work experience. Visit betterworkexperience.com to book a private session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots through a transformative coaching experience. Listen to live career advice on The Dr. Katie Show, Thursdays from noon to 1 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Increased awareness and early detection through regular screening have put breast cancer deaths on the decline. Research shows that screening with mammography can detect breast cancer early, when it is most treatable. Women over 40 should schedule a mammogram today. Women of any age who are at high risk should talk to their doctors about when to start screening. For more information about mammography, breast cancer disease, screening and treatment, visit radiologyinfo.org. Thursdays at noon is all about The Dr. Katie Show. Brought to you by Dr. Katie Revere, an organizational psychologist who's on a mission to better your work experience. Dr. Katie uses a transformational coaching approach that has helped many people improve their work experience. Discover a human-centered approach. Contact Dr. Katie and receive half off your first hour of coaching. Learn more at betterworkexperience.com. That's betterworkexperience.com. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Dr. Katie Show. We're taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-5569. You can email Dr. Katie at betterworkexperience.com. And your call can be about human-centered design, which we're talking about today, or it can be about your career and work advice. So feel free to give us a call. Now back to Dr. Katie. Hey, thanks. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, We're talking with Laura Janice uh, about human-centered design. Excuse me, I got a little tickle in my throat. Uh, Human-centered design. And we've just gotten some really interesting examples of how uh, different industries apply this approach to problem solving. And we are going to jump into what is it uh, and how is it, it being human-centered design approach, applied to improve the work experience. And that is a really exciting and most relevant for our listeners today. So Laura, since Human-centered design is all about designing for and around the human experience. How can these design principles be leveraged to better the work experience in companies today? And if you wouldn't mind also sharing, what are the steps uh, that are part of this approach that get us to a successful innovation? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I guess I'll start with the approach first. Um, it, it's every phase, what's important to know about the approach is every single phase uh, is always human centered. So, for example, when we conduct research, which is the first stage, understanding um, what 
what, you know, what it is we're looking for, what it is that we're, you know, what challenge we're trying to address, what are the true human needs that are being present. Uh, we use, we do that in a human centered way. So we do, we use various methods that help us connect to the people we're designing for in, um, in a way that it feels very humanistic and um, helps build empathy for everyone designing. The next phase after research, when you start to understand uh, and gain some insights around the context that you're designing for and the people you're designing for, uh, is called synthesis. And that's really where you take a step back after, after conducting all the various types of research and saying, okay, what are the themes and patterns and, you know, what's bubbling up? What, what are the, what are the learnings that we have um, found and what, what insight does that, do they give us that can be meaningful and actionable? Like, so it's a filtering down and some massaging of everything you've learned to create essentially direction on where you want to ideate. So after you get to that point, ideation is a part, is a, is a step of, around um, brainstorming and jumping into thinking about what's possible, dreaming of the future based on what, you know, what you learn and, and what, where the insights are pointing. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I think there's a saying that like out of 1,000 ideas, there's like one good idea or something like that. There's some phase, there's some phrase. Yeah, I've heard essentially, it. Essentially, but. Yeah. So the idea is you dream big. You, when you're in the ideation phase, you dream big and you come up with, um, you allow, you know, you, you restrict boundaries and you you allow yourself to really um, come up with wild ideas. And uh, when you get to the end of the ideation phase, it, that's the time to start filtering down and saying, okay, what actually, you know, what can we prototype? What makes sense for the business case, uh, the business setting? What makes sense you know, what's going to, what's, what, what's possible within the context of what the project is. Uh, and you, you decide on a handful of ideas to prototype. And so the prototyping phases can last from, you know, a month to six months to a year, depending on how, on how big the project is. But that's really about testing out the ideas in context, in that environment with the people that you're designing for. And again, that's the human centered approach is continuously getting feedback from them, what's working, what's not working, what feels good, how can this be, um, you know, evolved to better meet the need that we were trying to, you know, design for. Um, And so at the end of the prototyping phase, you often, you know, there's often things that you abandon, there's often ideas that you decide to adapt, and there's some ideas that are just, you know, they're ready to be adopted right away. And so after that, you, you come up with a set of you know, kind of the finalized um, ideas that you're looking to, to pilot, go into pilot mode. And that really is a phase of gathering metrics, um, gathering data on impact, trying to gather some, you know, data points around the impact that you're trying to make. Um, and often leaders within organizations uh, really um, react well to having that set of data. It's kind of this mesh of the, it, you know, the art of innovation and the science of improvement world. So um, it, it helps, you know, defend what you're doing in a way. Um, because a lot of the human centered stuff is qualitative up front. And so what I have found within large organizations is marrying it with the science of improvement and, and metrics and data building during the pilot phase is really what helps um, 
gain uh, funding for, you know, going into production, going into launching a program, um, getting the resources you need to actually spread the idea. So after after that phase of getting, you know, um, measurements and around impact back after, you know, that's the pilot phase, then, then you can go into spreading it, the product, the idea, the program, um, the system, whatever it might be. And spreading, the spread phase can also be years long because um, oftentimes you will learn more about, you know, what's working and what's not working with within the spread kind of context, especially across a large organization. Um, so that's, I won't, I'll stop there. That yeah, that was a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful summary. Thank you so much. And just a recap for listeners. Um, this is what I captured. So step one is research. Step two, synthesize your research. Step three, ideation. Mm-hmm. This is where you dream big. Step four, this is where you're prototyping. You're testing out the ideas in the context. And step five is where you're piloting. You're getting uh, you're putting it out there, you're measuring, you're getting testing. funding and then you're testing mm-hmm. and six is where you spread and you're learning all the way through. And it's so, so critical that there are dedicated professionals in the world who can manage this process and deliver amazing innovations to the work experience today. And I know that you and I have partnered and gone through those six phases a couple different times in a few big ways, Mm -hmm. um, which has been super energizing and it, but it is, it takes a long time. It takes a long time and you have to listen and you have to, yeah, you have to be empathetic. Yeah, I have to keep people engaged and keep leadership engaged because it takes a long Mm -hmm. time. Management sometimes wants results faster. And employees Mm -hmm. sometimes want results faster, but if you really want to improve the work experience and leverage human center design to do so, you got to be patient, right? You got to stay committed to the process and trust that if you go through these steps, you're going to end up with something really wonderful. Yeah. And I also think that there are things that we can provide um, that will help them be more creative, um, connect Fun. easier to each other, like to, to provide, there's a lot of tools and techniques that are used within human centered, this human centered approach that really anyone can, can go off and use. Um, so if, it, if it's a question of, you know, not needing a new product to take to market, maybe it's just about how can I increase my creativity within my department? There are, you know, brainstorming tools and techniques that can be taught quickly that they can they can go and use the next day so i think there are definitely techniques and methods that can be taught and embedded and integrated into how people work that can easily increase people's work experiences um so brainstorming was just an example of of one way to you know to do that maybe it's um maybe it's using um uh, a different way to gather feedback around, you know, employee happiness. Maybe there's a more creative way to do that. Um, so the whole innovation process, yes, can take a long time, but there's really, really lovely special nuggets that exist within it that can be used 
um, immediately for people who, who want to try and, you know, um, bring, bring more into the workplace in, in a quicker way. And that's really great to hear. And actually we do have a caller and I think this is a a great time to take a call. Um, somebody who is interested in doing more, uh, in the field of human centered design. So perhaps we can take that call now, Eric, I think we, uh, have Alexa. That's right. We've got Alexa from Seattle on the line. Hey, Alexa, what can we do for you? Yeah, well, I'm listening in, um, heard about your show and, it just happens to be a topic that I'm really interested in. So this is really cool to hear about this um, wonderful organization that you're leading. Um, uh, and so I have a background in um, urban design, and um, I have a lot of work experience previous to even moving to Seattle, where I did a lot of um, it's sort of community-centered design um literally around design of spaces. So so everything was focused on the um, urban environment, which um, part of the reason why I'm in Seattle is because of the urban design program um, that the city of Seattle has. But um, aside from that, um, I just find this whole thing so interesting and really, really important. So I just wanted to put a shout out to that program that you have and just let you know that I'm doing this and it would be kind of fun to you know, maybe just collaborate um, in some way. I don't actually do it formally right now, um, but it's something that I would like to do more of. And I've been talking to some of my previous colleagues about um, just figuring out some way to, you know, set up an organization or a program where this can be done um, because there's an enormous amount of buildings being torn down and rebuilt Mm. in a way that has nothing to do with their original um, intention that it's Mm -hmm. basically going to, you know, it's just changing the nature of the streetscape and how we have our pedestrian experience and neighborhood experiences in the city. Wow. Um, So you are um, looking to uh, create a human-centered or apply a human-centered approach to the urban design in Seattle? Well, yeah. And um, I've been even thinking about it in terms of other human experiences too, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like customer um, service experiences or, you know, um, experiences in a shopping environment where obviously everything is very oriented towards the commerce instead of, you know, making it easier for people to shop shop economically, for example. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I've just been thinking about different things um, related to urban environments, but it doesn't necessarily, be that, necessarily have to be that just because I've been thinking about other things. But um, in general, yeah, I mean, I... Um, and I do a lot of volunteer work for some local community organizations, and um, my role is um, on land use and design. So that's okay. what I'm asking. Well, I'd be curious uh, if we could ask our expert, uh, Laura, what you think, um, if you have any examples uh, or had any exposure to applying human-centered design to uh, urban design. Any thoughts or um, can help? Uh, yeah, I mean, there there was a, a a new school being built that recently approached um, one of the teams that I work with around, uh, you know, how might we build this space differently to better? It was an educational space, so how might we build this space better to to um, to make it an environment that is not only delightful but is 
you know, allows the students to use it as best they, they, they can. Um, so mm -hmm. space is a really interesting topic to me because uh, how people use it um, is, is oftentimes very different than how people, how it's built. You know, for example, uh, there was a medical clinic that was redesigned and we did evaluation of how people use the waiting room. People would bring their bills to write. It was like their, like the waiting time in the, in the waiting room was their time to catch up on life. And so it was like, well, wait a minute, maybe we should rethink what a patient waiting room is and provide right. spaces that they can catch up on life stuff um, and do these things that, that, you know, they were doing that we didn't really realize they were doing. So I think it, it's, a, it's, it's wonderful to apply this thinking to, you know, the world of space and, and, and um, urban design. I think there's a, there's a lot to be, that can be benefited from that. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for calling Alexa. Did, did you have a specific question or did you just want to share or is there um, anything else that we can well, help you with in these next couple of minutes? Yeah, I, um, well, the only other thing would be that, um, it would be fun to be in touch. Um, is it Julie who's on the air here with you? Uh, no, Laura, Laura Janice. Laura, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. It's hard for me to hear. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it would be, it would, if, you know, it'd be nice to just be in touch sometime and chat a little bit more because, um, yeah, that brings you know, up a good point. That's just one, one other piece. That's one piece, and then, um, you know, another, another. I've done a couple of other things that have been oriented towards that. So, and I do myself right now happen to work in healthcare only because my undergraduate is in social work. So, um, I switched fields for a little while um, just to accommodate some family schedules. Um, okay, but no, I'm kind of going back into all of this. So, yeah, it'd be really cool to connect. Um, I would just love to be able to, you know, get something, get some of this stuff rolling, actually. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's great. So uh, that brings up a good point, Laura. If people want to uh, find you, learn more about you, your background, your expertise, uh, do you have a website or anything or anywhere people can uh, get in touch that you'd like to share? Yeah. Yeah. It's just my name, lauragenice.com. So you're welcome to, um, to go to that and it should connect you. There's a say hello uh, button and that will connect you to my email address. Cool. So uh, and your last, feel and free to reach out. And it's L-A-U-R-A-J-A-N-I-S-S-E, right? Dot com. Dot com. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lauragenice.com. Yeah. Cool. And I know you got to run, Laura. Thank you for calling, Alexa. I really appreciate you calling and, um, and thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we have to, you're welcome. Uh, we got to let Laura go. She has graciously, uh, graced us with her presence for the last 50 minutes. Um, but Laura, any last comments, anything you'd last like to say about leveraging human centered design to improve and have a better work experience, uh, advice for our listeners or anything that you think about human centered design, uh, that you think people should know about uh, related to improving their work experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would leave on the note that um, that it can be overwhelming to think about the innovation pro process as a whole process and that um, there are real small kernels and techniques and things that can be that can be used immediately um, to, to help people uh, communicate better or improve their work environment or yeah, gain feedback or whatever it is. So I wouldn't, 
Um, don't let you know any any part of the conversation scare you in, in terms of the big the big you know blown out innovation process. There are there are lots of different techniques and um, methods that can be applied um, immediately. So dig in, you know, look, do some research and connect or connect with me, and I'm happy to give you some examples of things that you can do um, tomorrow to help you know connect with your team in different ways or work differently. Happy to do that. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. And I am so, so thankful for your time on the show today. We'll let you Thank go. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your afternoon. And then Eric, uh, if you can take us to our last break of the hour. Uh, of, of course. Everybody stay tuned. More of the Dr. Katie show coming your way after these words. Call in if you want. We've got uh, just a few minutes left in the show, but we'll try and squeeze in one more call at 425-373-5527 or toll free 888-298-5569. We'll be right back. Having a crappy work experience, the complexity of the work environment can undermine your efforts and create a crappy work experience for you and your team. Develop a thoughtful approach to managing the complexity so you could be a better leader. Book a private coaching session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots for a better work experience. Act now because everyone deserves a better work experience. Visit betterworkexperience.com to book a private session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots through a transformative coaching experience. Listen to live career advice on The Dr. Katie Show, Thursdays from noon to 1 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. This is Jim at a party. Dude, pass it. Hi there. This is Jim making nachos. Hi there. This is Jim watching his favorite horror movie. Oh yeah, definitely high there. And this is Jim driving his car. Dude, not high there. Jim's making good decisions and not getting behind the wheel when he's high because he knows that if you feel different, you drive different. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Dredge your work experience, compromising your brilliance? Get the better work environment you deserve. Email Dr. Katie Revere at drkatie at betterworkexperience.com for practical advice on how to rise above the drama. Do you have a workplace horror story? Do you have a terrific boss? Maybe you just got an unfair review. Tell Dr. Katie. Email drkatie at betterworkexperience.com and tune in every Thursday at noon for the Dr. Katie Show. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Dr. Katie Show. Here's Dr. Katie. Hey, everybody. Wow, what an interesting interview. Great show today. Learning all about human-centered design, design thinking. We had a special guest on the show. Her name is Laura Janice. And um, for those of you who've been listening to the show, uh, I just wanted to recap um, that you can get in touch with Laura uh, at laurajanice.com. And if you have any questions, want to learn more about human-centered design thinking, uh, pick her brain about what are some little uh, little nuggets uh, of, of magic for human-centered design that you can use to improve your work experience. Um, and it we did talk about a six-phase process for human-centered design. And it's uh, research is the first one where you just go out and you're learning about your problem. Um, you're talking to people, you're understanding the industry, you're understanding the experiences people are having. And the second 
uh, is to synthesize all of that research and information that you got. And then once you're in synthesis, you can kind of distill down uh, the things that you've learned through your research, through synthesizing, what are themes that are bubbling up? And then the, the third step is to ideate. So now that you've synthesized everything and you're sort of, you under, you have a, a pretty well-rounded understanding of what's going on uh, re- related to your problem, you begin to ideate. And this is a really fun phase because you get to dream big. You don't limit yourself with, oh, we couldn't do that because that leader won't agree or we can't do that because we'll never get that budget. This is a this is the phase of, of the design process that allows you to really think big and have fun and be playful. And the fourth is to prototype. So when you're in ideation, um, one thing we talked about with Laura is that, you know, try and get down a hundred ideas, you know, and you're dreaming big. So all kinds of different stuff. And then once you've distilled down, okay, what are the best ideas that are really going to get to the heart of the problem? You begin to prototype. And so in this prototype that you're building, you're building an experience or you're building a mock-up or something, uh, you begin to with the people um, who are- Could you say that last sentence again? We just lost you for a sec. (laughs) Oh, what was that, Eric? Uh, we just lost you for a sec, so if you could just reiterate that last sentence. Uh, the last sentence was, when you're in ideation, you really want to dream big. Perfect. And dreaming big is important uh, in the ideation phase because you want to collect all the different pot- potential ideas to solve your problem before you move into prototyping. And in prototyping, you are... Uh, testing the idea that you have in the context. So in the actual experience uh, of the problem, see how it works, how it works to solve that problem and continue to learn at that point. Uh, And then once you have refined a prototype that is suitable, that all parties involved are happy and pleased with, you begin a pilot where you have a measured sort of rollout of the experience uh, that you are putting forth uh, to solve that problem. And that's where you collect data and you understand and you learn, wow, uh, could this be spread? And what type of, you know, what might it cost? Uh, Things like that, where you get a lot of, that's where you could get your seed funding and if you need it. Um, And then the last phase is to spread it uh, to other areas if that's applicable. Um, Laura was uh, so thoughtful in sharing that though this can sound and feel like a long process and some big undertaking, there's a lot of really simple ways that you can apply human-centered design in your work experience right now. If you're a manager and you just want to learn more about your team's um, experience with their health and well-being, for example, at work, let's say you're noticing people are calling in sick a lot and you're not sure how to, um, you know, re-engage the staff and get to know, you know, how you can solve that problem of absenteeism. So for example, you could have folks in for a brainstorm, talk to them about their health. um, What does health mean to them? How can their health be supported at work? And really just get to know and hear about all of their ideas. And you can do, uh, more, and that would be part of your research. Um, and then 
as a team, you guys can synthesize all of the ideas and um, comments that you know people shared to synthesize to say, okay, what could be some ideas to improve uh, how we uh, experience this work environment and kind of just roll through the steps from there. So it can be a quick, easy thing, um, or you can take on big challenges with human-centered design. And that is what I love about applying human-centered design to improving the work experience is because you can go big or you can go small. But either way, what it does is it enables you to truly listen and engage the people who are involved. And that is all about how to improve the work experience. It is a value of mine. It is a value of my organization, Better Work Experience LLC. And my um, my mission at uh, the Dr. Katie Show is to improve the work experience uh, through a human-centered approach. And today we learned all about how to do that. So thank you for listening. And we are excited to bring you an exciting show next Thursday. So please join us uh, next week. Thanks again and have an awesome day.